After leaving teaching because of some serious burnout, she vowed to build the community she wished existed when she needed it most. She went from classroom teacher to an educational consultant, instructional designer, and six-figure business owner. Now, she's here to help you achieve happiness and work-life balance, whether inside or outside the classroom. Come join our discussion as we talk about managing teacher burnout, career transitions outside the classroom, starting a side hustle, and everything in between. Here's your host of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast and your new personal cheerleader, Daphne Gomez. Welcome to the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Daphne Gomez. Keith Mistler lives in Boston with his husband and taught in public schools for over a decade before he made the jump into a corporate role. In this interview, we chat all about his transition out of the classroom and how he became an experienced designer. Hi, Keith. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Daphne. It's so great to be here. Thank you so much for having me today. I am really excited. I know that I think I lurked on your LinkedIn. I don't remember what thread you like popped up on. And I just immediately said, hey, would you like to be on the podcast? Um, Just based on your current position is very exciting. But before we even dive into what you're doing now, I'd love to hear a little bit about Just your experience as a teacher, what made you get into education and how long were you a teacher for? Well, I originally started out as a graphic designer. Um, I majored in graphic design in my undergraduate, loved it. I've always been a creative person and, but also I've always been a performer too. I originally started in communications and decided graphic design was my thing and I liked it, but I really wanted to do something more. I wanted it to be bigger. I wanted to help other people. So working for a design as a designer for about two years, I said, I want to go back to school and get my master's in education. And I thought, well, what can I teach? And I said, well, I love art. I love design. I'm going to go back for that. So I got my master's in uh, studio art education. Um, Was really lucky to land at an awesome place, um, high school, where I taught for uh, just a year, uh, do my student teaching and Um, I was lucky to land a job and I was there for about 12 years. Um, I pivoted between high school and elementary and middle school. And from there, I did some really cool stuff. I taught graphic design, web design, fashion design, um, things that I never thought we could have had in, in high schools, but I feel lucky that I was able to offer them to these, these kids. When did you start thinking about pursuing a role outside of the classroom? Well, I would say the first time I started thinking about it was the first time that they told me at my school that I would have to be moved to the middle school. And it was a big shock to me because when you work in a school, it becomes your community, becomes such a part of your life and a part of your identity. And I honestly broke down in tears when they told me that I had to move my community. And luckily that year, it was almost just a... um, false alarm and I did not have to move. But the following year, I did have to move to the middle school where I was, just because I was um, certified in art K through 12, I really could teach anywhere. So they moved me to the middle school. It's just sort of how it worked out. Even though I was uh, teaching at that school for about 10 years, I was still the newest art teacher out of five of us. And, you know, I took it in stride, but it really just shook me to the core and I said, okay, I need to take charge of my own career and my own happiness because it just wasn't a great fit for me. Um, And then the pandemic happened 
And uh, I was moved again to the elementary school where I taught all remote art uh, through the computer, which was quite a trip. And I had lots of stories from that, but it was that was really fun and I enjoyed the, the students there. And from there, that's when I really made the jump to becoming um, something out of education. Um, I will probably, when we are off of this podcast interview, ask you a lot of your stories about uh, <laughs> teaching art virtually because I have not thought about what a challenge that would be. What did you start doing when you were pursuing roles outside of the classroom? How did you start to evaluate what was a good fit for you? Well, I started originally probably in September of 2020, and it took probably the full school year to be able to figure out what I was doing. And I thought, okay, I was chatting with a friend over Snapchat and <laughs> I said, hey, you do something that I'm interested in. Can I talk to you about it? He said, yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to talk to you about it. And he's a software engineer. And from there, I kind of looked into software engineering and seeing how that and design work together. And I still wasn't kind of on top of it and said, I want to be a software engineer. But I just talked to as many people as I could and starting out with friends. And then I moved on to LinkedIn and just connected with people and would send messages out and say, hi, my name is Keith and I see what you're doing and it looks really great. Do you mind if we have a little coffee chat? And it was surprising to me that people were very often happy to help and they like to pay it forward. And I feel myself now, I like to pay it forward. That's one of the reasons why I'm on this podcast. And I often take those coffee chats to help other people right now. So you started getting into software engineering and did you take any courses or um, do anything to like upskill in that direction? Cause that's a pretty tech heavy role that comes with a lot of knowledge gaps just from someone with zero experience to wanting to pursue that. Yes. Well, I taught web design at the high school. That's sort of like, my my baby. So I, I knew a lot of the, the coding like HTML and CSS, and I know a little bit of JavaScript, um, but I really wanted to upskill and learn more. And I love coding and I find the coding and art and education just really work very well together. And I knew that there was some um, lack of software engineers in this world and we, we need more of them. And I looked online and I said, well, I can teach myself this if I wanted to. And then I started and it was a disaster. I <laughs> need focused lessons. So I enrolled in a boot camp and I did a lot of research to find what I thought was the best one. And it was about five months long. And I did a boot camp that was like much more intense than I probably needed to because I wanted to learn both the front end, which is like mostly the visual parts of a website and the back end, which is a little bit more about data processing. And um, I found it to be so extremely helpful and it was a big thing to put on my resume. And even though I'm not technically a software engineer now, I'm still able to work in code and work in this kind of tech field. So I think it was hugely beneficial. I would not have changed it for the world. So in my role as an instructional designer, there was like this teeny tiny amount of coding that I needed to know. I probably downplay the amount of coding that I'm comfortable doing just because that's like human nature for us to downplay <laughs> our abilities. I found myself going down 
like the Khan Academy rabbit hole of if anybody wants to get their feet wet, dip their toes in the water and see if it's something that they're interested in. Khan Academy has free resources where you can teach yourself some coding. But I think that I fall in the same category as you as I probably need someone to give me structured feedback when it comes to something that's time consuming and tech heavy. And I probably would want to have like an end product where someone would say, okay, that looks good or give me feedback to help me change what I did. Right. It's so tech heavy that if you don't know the answer, it's just very difficult to figure it out if you don't have somebody who is extremely knowledgeable. So you ended up landing a position as a, it's an experience designer, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. How did you find this position and what was your interview process like for it? I found this position really, uh, it was interesting because um, I had applied for a similar position through the same company and it just didn't, didn't work out. You know, I, the recruiter called me and we had a great conversation and then I didn't hear anything for months and I eventually called him back and he said, oh, I'm sorry, like this, this position was canceled. We, we don't have anything <laughs> anymore for it. So I said, oh, that's a bummer. Well, I'm going to look again. And I have a friend who works at this company and, you know, I had a little conversation with him and um, he told me a couple places to, to look within the company and I saw a great position um, for an experienced designer and I was called back by the a recruiter and we had another great conversation and just to kind of give you a quick aside uh, technically I'm a UX UI designer so I work with um, screens on maybe like a phone or a laptop or any type of device and um, after that kind of initial recruiting process, there were many more interviews and they were all virtual, luckily. And my position is all virtual as well. And through each interview, I was able to meet with members of the team. And then my final interview was a panel interview where I had to do a little uh, presentation for them. And I think as a former teacher, I loved the presentation aspect and I flourished with that. So I had no issues with it. And from there, you know, I landed the position and I've been there for about six months now and i'm thrilled and so happy to be there for a ux designer types of position and even for web design or uh, software engineering are did they look for a specific type of like portfolio that you had created of like mock projects you would do for companies or this role you did not need that yes they uh, they do look for portfolios and I did have a portfolio and I put together about three to four projects and it was a combination of coding projects and uh, UX UI design projects using um, design thinking processes. Uh, I found it to be very helpful to have those projects. And I would say one of the reasons why this company hired me was because uh, I had all of these transferable skills as well. So there were, I'm sure lots of people applying for these jobs and other companies had these issues with me and they would say, well, you don't have the tech background. You don't have the business background. You don't have the sales background. And I kept getting that. And I was like, but I have all this cool stuff too. I could run a classroom. <laughs> and uh, I really feel that uh, the hiring manager felt that all of these skills that I could bring to the table was going to make me excel in this job. And I, found and I'm finding that these teaching skills that I have are just so beneficial. And 
if you can find a job that will, and you will find a job that will find you and see this as a benefit. So just keep looking. Right. Uh, and there are, there are so many times that that feedback that they give that this isn't the right role for you. We're looking for someone with this specific type of experience. It's not downplaying necessarily who you are. It's not that you're not qualified for everything. It's this specific position. You weren't qualified for it just yet. Or there were 10 people with these with similar qualifications. And so one person maybe stood out a tiny bit above the crowd, but they have to give some sort of feedback and that always hurts. They don't have to always give some sort of feedback, but we take it so personally of like, they said, I didn't have any sales experience and now I should never apply for any sales role. And that's not accurate either, but continue to upskill if that's the direction you want to go and be that person that sticks out a little bit more in the next one with what you were saying about how you bring so much to the table, there are so many teams that I have worked on with very tech heavy roles. And some of the smartest people I have ever worked with in my entire life who are just tech geniuses struggle with articulating why they put something together and working on a team and collaborating in a way that teachers would probably thrive. So bringing the skills that you have of being able to present things to a team, being able to collaborate with a team, project management on top of you had upskilled and taught yourself some additional skills makes you just like a powerhouse. Right. And leading a, a team meeting is such a big thing to do in technology and in business. That's something that I think that teachers excel at. And I'm finding that not everybody has that experience leading anything. Can we talk a little bit about what your day-to-day -day looks like in your new role um, as a UX designer, experience designer? Sure. I love my days now. They are so lovely. I always get up early and I go to the gym and I surprise myself with that because as a teacher, I would wake up at 5 a.m. and always say when I'm not a teacher, I'm going to <laughs> sleep in every single day. But now it's just so nice to get up, have that time in the morning and really just enjoy it for me. So <laughs> I get up, enjoy myself for me. And I usually get on the computer um, around like 9am. And my, t my job is based really all over the US and we have people all, all over the world and that we work with. Uh, so the times are really all over the place. So sometimes I may start a little bit later and work a little bit later into the night. And sometimes I might take a little break and walk throughout the day. And that's okay because my job is really great about um, the work-life balance. So day-to-day, -day, I log onto the computer. I usually have like a few meetings with my team throughout the day, which I love because I like to interact with people. And I do miss the social aspect of teaching, but having that those team meetings really do help with that. And then I kind of just jump on Figma and the Adobe Creative Suite and I design screens and I love it. And from there, there's so much collaboration. So even though I might be designing something on my own, I'm working with you know another designer, I'm working with um, other people in our sales teams, it's just, so much collaboration that I didn't get as a teacher because, you know, you're in your classroom, you're not able to work with other people as much. And I really enjoy working with adults and the 
stimulating conversations that we achieve every single day in order to bring this company forward, I think just drives me forward as a professional. So it sounds like the things that you're in charge of designing are mostly like customer facing like screens. Is, am I understanding that accurately? Yes. Yes. I create screens. So like when you have apps or websites, th those are things that I, I would create. Do you see a lot of overlap of best practices when it comes to teaching and learning and how you create things so that it's intuitive for people to navigate like websites or find what they're looking for. Yes. Have you ever had an app where you're looking at it and you're like, what, how do I use this? It's not intuitive. It's not helpful. Uh, it's similar to teaching. Think about when you're teaching your students and they're struggling and they're not figuring it out. It's okay that you failed with one lesson, but then you have that research and you have that experience to make it better. So, same thing for me and in, in my teams is we um, create something, see how it works, talk to other people, and then um, see it in action as well and see how people actually use it. So I do find it very similar to creating my lesson plans, which is kind of scary in a lot of ways. <laughs> We talked about it on past episodes. I think Bonnie Hanks is a software engineer and Brittany Fisher is a UX designer. Both of them are former teachers that I interviewed on past episodes. And we've talked about the overlap of Bonnie Hanks really thought that she wanted to go into becoming a curriculum designer because her brain loved that part of the job. And what we talked about on the podcast was I've um, listened to this uh, great career coach's book. It's called U-Turn by Ashley Stahl. And she talks about the different types of people. I'm probably butchering what she says, but the different types of jobs you're looking for. And like teachers always kind of back themselves into it. It's very education focused, but like it's you, you and Bonnie Hanks probably have this in common. You like to build things. You are like a builder, not a traditional, and you could be a traditional engineer that actually wants to like build a building, but you like to have this creative game plan, and then see it come to life. And so that could be a curriculum writer. It could be a software engineer. It could be a UX designer. It could be so many, even a project manager. But it that's where you're excited. And it's hard for teachers to like remove themselves from the very hyper-specific, like still in education roles. But some people are thriving in corporate environments once they realize that they can remove themselves from that that little like corner of the career universe. You get in a position where you're like, oh man, I'm stuck as a teacher. I can't get out of it. I've been in here for years and years. What else can I do? And it can become very isolating. And I find that with the media right now, focusing on the negativity of education and teachers that it's hard, especially I think as an art teacher or a specialist, sometimes in rural parts of the United States, you may be the only specialist within your school and you're thinking, what can I do? And to be able to see what others have been doing is just, it's monumental in finding things that work for yourself. So I'm, I'm so glad you said that. also have seen on your resume something that I wanted to talk about a little bit, the freelance work that you have done. Because so many teachers that follow me have thought of freelancing. 
And it is, it's tricky to navigate. It's its own, you know, unique search itself to figure out the ends and outs of freelancing. How long were you doing freelance design work and photography? Yes. You know, I kind of fell into freelance work because I was teaching photography at the high school. And one of my colleagues came up to me and said, hey, will you photograph my wedding? And I was like, absolutely not. I will not photograph your wedding. I've never done it before. And she was like, I really want you to do it. I, you're a good friend of mine. So because I taught photography, I was like, all right, I will do it. You know, I charged her very little and I did a lot of training and I worked with other wedding photographers to help me do that. So that was kind of how it first happened for me. And then it blossomed and, you know, she told her friends, we were at the age at, uh, you know, our mid twenties where everybody was getting married and it blossomed and it became a, a thriving business for myself. And because I was a graphic designer, it was easy for me to also kind of grab those design projects as well. I would say, just talk to your friends and family members and say, Hey, I am a photographer. Hey, I'm a designer. Hey, I can do X, Y, and Z for you if you need it. And, um, just the best thing about really being a freelance artist or a freelance anything is just talking to other people and networking, you know, get there on LinkedIn and post things. I uh, knew somebody who would do cartoons on Etsy and sell them on Etsy and he loved doing it and made some good money on it. Yeah. It's, there are so many roles. And so you were focused on like B to C kind of freelancing where you were doing um, like selling to specific people. And then there's also people who are like really thriving as B2B. Like I am a freelancer, but I'm consulting for large companies. Both of these paths are really great, especially for you to build new skill sets, push yourself outside of your comfort zone while you're learning what you like and you don't like. Because if you're a freelancer, okay, I want to become a blog writer. And then you write five blogs and you realize, oh, I don't really like that. Well, you didn't actually take a full-time position doing it, so you can walk away. It's not its not as much stake in the game as if you accidentally took a role without getting your feet wet with it. But it's great resume writing experience as well to be able to say, I've done this for a variety of clients. I've done this for a variety of different companies. You have a portfolio that you can actually build. So its it's always something that I highly recommend for people who have longer periods of time between now and when they do want to start um, actually applying for roles or for those people who are looking for supplemental income. Maybe they have already left the classroom and they took a little dip in their salary. Uh, I am curious to hear about your role. Do you feel like you have hours back with the work-life balance in your new position than you did as a teacher? Listen, Daphne, all my friends are so jealous of me <laughs> that are teachers because I just feel like my life is so much more calm. Uh, but I do want to also, you know, I'll talk about this in a minute, talk about the fact that I, there are aspects of teaching I miss and um, it's not absolutely perfect one way, or the, one way or the other, but I'm loving the fact that I am able to take vacation when I need to. I can do a doctor's appointment when I need to. Um, I don't constantly need to be on. You know, I like many people, I do struggle with anxiety and constantly being a teacher and working from, you know, 7.30 in the morning until 2.30 in the afternoon, teaching almost every minute of every day can be very, very exhausting. And I have the personality where I love to perform and I love to to be in front of people, uh, it, it 
can kind of wear you down after a while. So now I feel so much happier and I really feel that I am able to contribute more of myself to not only my company, but to my family and my friends and really to the general world. So it opens me up to uh, being able to do other um, fun things. You know, I try to learn the guitar and I'm trying, I sing um, in a chorus. It just, it's, it's magnificent. I love that. I feel like I had the same experience when I left, I gained so many hours back and then I didn't realize like, oh, was I the problem? Am I a workaholic? Do I have to figure out a way to fill up this extra time? Because you just are so conditioned to be filling up all of that time that you have to discover hobbies or do something or else you might feel a little stir crazy. Um, I know that there are probably so many teachers who are interested in becoming UX designers. And we do have one other podcast that does a deep dive into it as well. But I'd love to hear what your suggestions are for just like one or two small getting started steps for those teachers who are on the fence, but they're leaning towards UX design as their forever career. That's a great question. I think the best thing to do would be to look at other UX designers and, you know, just type in like, UX designer portfolios and find maybe one or two that you really like. And you'll notice that it's very much uh, a similar case study. So uh, I mentioned it earlier, but um, design thinking is just the way that many designers are attacking problems and problem solving. So if you take a project and you want to create a project, use the design thinking methodology and go through each individual step and that will really guide you through creating your own kind of project. So do that first and then see, okay, do I really like it? And then once you've kind of created it and designed it, you can go into, um, there's a free program out there called Figma. And um, I think that's definitely what designers are using right now. It's a collaborative tool. It's free, like I said, it's web-based. And um, I didn't know much about Figma before I started, to be honest. I was very much a Adobe person, which, you know, they do Photoshop. It's very famous and I enjoy Adobe. Absolutely. But it's good to dive into different programs. Yeah, I always recommend like the baby steps into graphic design is Canva. Adobe yes. is for the pros. It's actually a little bit more tech heavy than I had enough exposure to it that I understood how to like navigate the basics of it, but it was still a little bit outside of my comfort zone. Like that is Adobe in itself is its own, you know, two, three hour mini course learning curve where Canva is very quick to learn, very intuitive for those people diving in. But I love how you um, laid out for people who are interested in it, kind of seeing what other people do and mapping out the process before you even get started. And I've heard similar feedback from people just discovering and trying to learn basics of graphic design, of look at a logo that you like and try to recreate it. Just play around with the shapes, the different backgrounds and all of those different types of things that you can see, even just like in a simple program like Canva to start to get your feet wet on, oh, now I know how to layer something or now I know how to like make a, a more intricate design. So I love that you gave that feedback when it comes to UX design as well. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Keith, for coming on and sharing so much about your journey. This has been such a great episode. And I just 
I'm so glad that I got to spend some time getting to know you. Daphne, it is like talking to a celebrity with you. I am so happy to be here right now. And thank you for asking me on today. It has been very helpful. And I thank you for doing what you're doing uh, with the educational community. Thank you again. Thank you. A huge thank you to Keith for coming on and sharing his story. If you want to hear more stories like his, don't forget to follow our Instagram account at Teacher Career Coach. We share former teacher spotlights on a regular basis so you can learn all about your career options outside of teaching. Thank you again so much for being a listener. We'll see you on the very next episode of the Teacher Career Coach podcast.